following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, September 19th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by Dan Bauer. Dan, it was nice seeing you over the weekend, but how are you doing here today on Tuesday night? Doing well, still uh, recovering a little bit from a lot of fun the past couple weekends with all you boys in Chicago, but back in Cleveland and ready to get a great show out for our listeners. Yes, I know Anshu put a good one out there on Monday with Chris. Um, thanks, guys, for holding carrying the torch for us. Uh, hopefully we can do right by you guys here as we try to follow up that great show. But, uh, Dan, let's talk about Monday night's game, get right into it here tonight uh, as the Bears – held home against the Seattle Seahawks, and it looks like trouble in paradise in Seattle. Obviously, Doug Baldwin's been injured. They can't figure their running game out. They end up dropping this one in a game they just could never get the offense going. What do you think's wrong here in Seattle? Obviously, the offensive line's been a huge question for them. Yeah, they, and they just don't really have the playmakers that they've had in years past. It's a team that's getting older. It's a team that's getting slower. Uh, it's, you mentioned it. It's a team that has had injury problems. It's just it's not the same old uh, young spry team that they they used to have. Uh, obviously, Russell Wilson needs to figure out what his interception issues are and, and just where his head is at. I don't know if it's an age thing or or if it's just a fluky couple games, but he does not look like the same Russell Wilson we've known in years past. Yeah, I mean, his elusiveness out of the pocket only works so well when the offensive line's letting Khalil Mack in there every single play. And, and that, that was really the difference in this game was that Bears defense was playing extremely well throughout. And uh, this has been a defense that, you know, was already looking to hopefully have a big season. They obviously draft Raquan Smith, or excuse me, Roquan Smith in the first 10 picks of the NFL draft this past offseason. You know, they bring in Khalil Mack and give him one of the biggest extensions of all time. Uh, but this this Bears defense looks like they're for real, and we've seen teams in the past who, you know, they relied heavily on their defensive ball club and and been able to get very far in the playoffs. I don't know if the Bears are quite there yet. There's still some questions on the offensive side of the ball, but you've got to be happy if you're a Chicago Bears fan with what this defense has been able to do here early on. Yeah, six sacks on Monday night. I believe those were all in the first half. So they they kind of Seattle figured them out a little bit of what they were doing. But Khalil Mack, even if he didn't get a sack in the second half, was disrupting every play. Uh, it, it's one of those uh, maybe not a lot of people just knew just how good he was. There's that West Coast bias. You know, he's playing late. Uh, you know, not as prominent as it is in baseball, but still, you know, when you play sports on the West Coast, sometimes you get a little bit lost in the shuffle. And we all knew he was good, but I think a lot of the sports sports world is now realizing just how phenomenal Khalil Mack is and why he deserved the amount of money he got. Uh, he was playing, playing really well. 
Obviously, Prince of Mukamura gets a, a big interception there late, returns it for a touchdown. Uh, this defense, they can beat you on the defensive line. They can beat you from the linebacking core. They can, uh, if guys like Mukamura are going to play this well, uh, you know, their secondary can beat you too. All of a sudden, this defense is extremely dangerous and just an absolute turnover machine. Uh, you mentioned it, some some slight questions on the offense, but uh, Mitch Trubisky is getting better game by game. It's it's a young quarterback. You still got to remember how few games he played, even going back to his college days. Uh, so, you know, be patient, Bears fans. But if he can almost get you a win against the Packers and then get a big win on Monday night, uh, that's huge. Obviously, Allen Robinson playing a little bit above and beyond what he maybe was expected of him this year. Uh, so the offense is starting to really click, and, and obviously we've talked about defensively. This is a defense that could take these guys very, very far. Yeah, you mentioned Allen Robinson. I mean, he was a big offseason addition for the Bears. They spent a lot of money on him. He obviously was coming off of an injury and missed most of the season last year for Jacksonville. Uh, but this is a guy who had 14 targets and 10 catches on Monday night in Game 1. He had eight targets in that game and finished with is their their high uh, leading receiver in that game as well. Mitchell Trubisky, you could you could tell they're still you know he's still trying to to work his way into into that kind of comfort zone in the NFL, which he's not quite there yet. But he does end up with two touchdowns, which is a career high for him in his second season. He was twenty five of thirty four, and he did look a little bit better than we've seen in the past. Obviously, the Bears draft him as high as they do because they feel like this could be the guy for the future of this team. Uh, and really, the only kind of the only negative that you could really say about the Bears, other than Trubisky's two interceptions in this game on offense, was the run game, and neither team was able to establish the run in this one. Yeah, absolutely not. It was uh, definitely one that was won defensively and and won through the air. Uh, and I think both these teams, if if Chicago's going to compete, is going to have to figure it out. You mentioned Seattle with the offensive line issues. Uh, pretty hard to run the ball when – you know your offensive line can't pass protect. You know the guys can kind of pin their ears back, and you don't have much of a run game. Uh, does not bode well uh, for you offensively. So both teams need to figure it out. Seattle now in that awful 0-2 spot. You know the statistics will tell you once you're 0-2, uh, the the chance of you making the playoffs drops drastically. So they need to figure stuff out fast if they are going to try to make a playoff run. Yeah, and from 0-2, the Seattle Seahawks, another team in the NFC that is currently 2-0 that nobody expected to be 2-0. I don't think a lot of people expected Seattle to be 0-2, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, there was some news today with Jameis Winston, uh, who's obviously been suspended for the first three games of the year. He's eligible to come back for week four, uh, but the news today was that he is officially being sued by the Uber driver that uh, you know brought up his alleged groping and uh, – you know, she wants she's suing for punitive damages and uh, you know, wants to be reimbursed for a lot of therapy and things like that that she's going to be going through. So obviously it doesn't sound like any new evidence has been brought up in this case, but it is pretty important to note with Jameis Winston being suspended that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's been the best quarterback in the NFL, possibly through the first two weeks of the season. Uh, best as far as fantasy football, at least. And, you know, it, you have to at least consider keeping Ryan Fitzpatrick in there when Jameis Winston comes back, and that's a far cry for a team who drafted him first overall just a few years back. I mean, not just fantasy football, best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, real football-wise, he has a good argument that he has been playing the best of any quarterback in the NFL. He had a 144.4 rating last week. He was 27-33. 
for 402 yards, four TDs, only one interception. Uh, and then obviously the big game week one against the Saints. So this is, uh, it's, it's crazy to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is resurrecting his career in Tampa Bay, but it just might be that. And I don't know how you bench a guy who's playing as well as he is and Jameis hasn't exactly taken the next step we talked in our uh pre one of our preview segments and I believe one of my points was you know let's see if this is the year that Jameis Winston can finally take the next step uh and really prove that he is was worthy of such that high pick uh, when he was drafted and it, 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 you know we don't really know if he's going to get it but you know what you're getting from Ryan Patrick at least for now uh so if I'm Tampa Bay I roll uh, with Fitz until he gives you a reason otherwise. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Deshaun Jackson has been open about saying that Fitzpatrick can start. You know, this has been a guy who's also in, in a point in his career where he's been a little bit of a journeyman, as has Fitz, Fitzpatrick. And Deshaun Jackson's been his primary target through these first two games. And let us not forget, they beat the Saints on the road and then beat the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles at home. I mean, you would expect these Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be 0-2 after those first two games, but... Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. I really think they have to give a serious look at keeping Fitzpatrick in there, and a lot of that's going to rely on how they do on Monday night. They will play the Steelers at home, and that Steelers franchise has been somewhat of a dumpster fire as well right now, obviously, with the news that came out uh, just yesterday of Antonio Brown missing practice or not showing up at the team facility. And Mike Tomlin was very closed-lipped about what the reasoning behind that was. He wouldn't say whether or not it was in excused absence but now reports coming out saying that it sounds like it was and that the uh, tweet that Antonio Brown sent out a, a couple days ago about trade me and we'll see how I do uh, it sounds like this is all kind of water under the bridge at this point at least that's what Antonio Brown's camp is saying it's such an odd story I mean especially when you couple it with Le'Veon Bell uh, when you have your two top players uh, you know at least two out of the top three top players who are are not at a facility on any given week of week three and week three is going to be a big one for the Steelers if they somehow go down 0-3 uh you know we joked about this weekend but your 2-0 uh, Cincinnati Bengals you know if they can get another win this weekend if all of a sudden it's the 0-3 Steelers and the 3-0 and Bengals 0-2-1 0-2-1 sorry how could I forget that part? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm still, I'm still in shock that we even managed to tie a game. I think that's what, what it was. Fair. But um, you know, if if you're the Steelers and you're just absolutely reeling, obviously Le'Veon Bell does not look like he's coming back anytime soon. If all of a sudden Antonio Brown actually does miss some serious time, or uh, even a game or two, this is a season that could quickly get away from you. We've talked over and over about how we both think that Ben Roethlisberger only has a, a small amount of time left before his body is completely shuts down, uh, whether it's this year or next year. This is a team that needs to figure it out and figure it out fast. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, this Steelers team is reeling in a big way. Obviously, Roethlisberger was banged up after that week one game. He comes out and has a huge performance in the second game of the season against Kansas City this past weekend, but he was outperformed by a de facto rookie Patrick Mahomes, who's in his second season, but his first season starting. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that Monday night game, and there could be a lot of repercussions regardless of who ends up winning it. But if the Bucks end up winning, I think you'll see Fitzpatrick continue to start. 
even with Jameis back. And if the Steelers end up winning, you know, they, their their narrative completely changes if they improve to one one and one compared to o two and one, just like you mentioned. Uh, but speaking of teams that have an opportunity to go to one one and one is your Cleveland Browns. The big news here over the last couple days, and it, it kind of was it was hinted at on Sunday that Josh Gordon was going to be released um, or cut. Then it was mentioned that they would potentially seek a trade, which to me, Dan, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, this just seems like such a Browns thing to do, to come out and have stories come out or have it leaked that you're going to cut a player who's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL and then backtrack and say you're going to accept a trade for him. It seems like the value of him kind of drops after every team knows you're going to cut him. Yeah, as much as I hate to agree with you, this is standard Browns operating procedure. Can't keep uh, the lid on the facility when news is about to break. You're right. I mean, drastically reduces any sort of return you're going to get, especially when you're, you're just trashing them. And it, the reports were coming out that he had uh, showed up to the facility. The, team's, the team thought he was under the influence. Uh, he was late. Uh, and some question of uh, his ability his ability to play based on that hamstring injury, which turns out he injured doing a promo shoot and not at practice uh, like it was originally stated as. So, this is just one of those things that, it, it you know, like you said, Standard Browns, uh, based on everything that leaked, I didn't expect them to get much more than what they got, you know, that conditional fifth pick for it. But um, we will, you know, hopefully the Browns don't live to regret this. It doesn't seem like Josh Gordon's really got his head on straight. Tom Brady even kind of alluded to, didn't seem overly excited about the signing and basically made a statement that was, you know, hopefully he can uh, come in and be professional and contribute. So uh, we will see what his career is like in New England, but I don't have high hopes for Josh Gordon, and it's a sad day. I mean, we're all excited about it as Browns fans. He was finally back, seemed healthy, and uh, just kind of goes to show some of the struggles with addiction that people go through. Yeah, I mean, and it also brings up brings back up the question of whether or not the Browns look to add another receiver. Obviously, Antonio Callaway had a pretty solid game in Week Two, which you guys need. He's had some off the field problems as well, um, but they they kind of need him to be productive. But Des Bryant came in for a visit, sounded like it went well, but the money wasn't there. Does this potent Does this trade bring that potentially back up and to say you know Des Bryant is somebody the Browns could look at, or do you think they're content with what's going on in their receiver room? No, I think they're content. I don't believe that you cut or trade Josh Gordon just to bring in another locker room issue guy. And on some level, I think because of the the game that Antonio Callaway had, the speed he showed, uh, you know, he was clocked at something like 21 miles an hour or something on that big touchdown, third fastest uh, anybody receiver has been clocked at this year. So, I mean, the speed is there. Uh, it's exactly what you want and, and a big catch and a big throw from Tyrod. So uh, some chemistry clearly there. I think between him and Jarvis uh, and and Richard Higgins uh, and some of the other players you got around there, I don't see the Browns making a move to somebody like Dez. But it is the Browns, so who knows? Speaking of your Browns, they play this Thursday night. We're going to preview that game a little bit. They're favored for the first time in a long time. They'll be at home against the Jets. They get Sam Darnold, the rookie quarterback. I know that defensive front of the Browns is excited to get after him. Uh, but what do you see from this Browns team? Obviously, this they're, they're in a position where they have to get a win. You're playing against the Jets team that looked great week one, not so much week two. Uh, but Sam Darnold, obviously, when you play against a rookie quarterback and you have as good of a defensive line as the Browns do, you would think that this, this would be a matchup that they could take advantage of. Yeah, time to eat, Miles. I cannot wait to watch him and Sam Darnold's uh, ear all 
night. So, I mean, I, this is, it's a weird feeling for me as a Browns fan to be going in as a favorite, but this team has looked really, really good. Obviously couldn't quite pull out a win standard Browns operating procedure against the Steelers and the saints. But if they play how they did the first two weeks, they'll beat the jets by two touchdowns like this. This in theory should not be that close of a game. They should be able to, to really handle this one. You got Sam Darnold, who's prone to interceptions. You have the Browns, who have, I believe it's the 11th ranked defense right now, one of the top teams in takeaways, uh, if not the top team. And so you have a guy who, rookie quarterback, who's who's prone to turn the ball over and a defense that is prone to nab it and go the other way. So I would expect Sam Darnold to not have a good game. I expect Miles Garrett and uh, guys like Ogunjobi to really get up in his grill, disrupt it, uh, and that secondary to just start hawking balls. Yeah, I read that there's going to be some potential weather issues, a little bit of rain perhaps, maybe some wind. Uh, do you think that could affect this game? I see the over-under set at 39.5, you know, just based on the way these two offenses have looked. I'm almost looking to hammer the under on this one. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely, if the weather reports hold out like they're looking like it, I would definitely uh, hammer that under. I still think it's, it's Brown's advantage. We saw a sloppy game against Pittsburgh that Browns were able to hang in there. I think this benefits a guy like Tyrod Taylor, Jarvis Landry, you know, short, quick routes. Uh, they're not going to be going deep in the, in the wind and the rain. So even more so, I think this plays to Browns benefit a, a much superior running game to what the jets have. So bring on the rain. I think it only helps the Browns. So give me a scoring prediction. This is Isaiah Crowell's return to Cleveland. Also, he's obviously he's leading the, the jets. He looked good. Uh, so far this season as well, but uh, give me a score prediction for this one. Ooh, I'll go uh, 21-10. I was going to say 20, but uh, you know that requires us to hit two field goals, which I don't think is possible. So uh, I'll go 21-10. Okay, I like that. I, I I could see it being around that. I think it's going to be a little bit closer to the, than that. I I, th- I think this one could come down to a field goal or a four point game. I see this in like 24 to 20. Uh, something in that range, or not? Maybe I—I I actually think it'll probably be a lower scoring, maybe 17-13. I'll stick with that. So I do have the Browns winning in this one as well. I think they—they they can pull this off. I think they need it. Uh, I think Hugh Jackson especially needs it. I—I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose this game. If there's some talk about Hugh Jackson potentially being kicked out of town, Todd Haley taking over for the rest of the year, but that remains to be we seen. We can only hope. <laughs> yeah, I know you'd love that. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, definitely talk more about uh, what actually transpires in that game on Friday's show. Um, but that's going to bring us pretty much to the end of the show here tonight. But we definitely want to get to a couple of oh-by-the-ways. Dan, I know you have some baseball news. Yeah, uh, Aaron Judge makes his return for the New York Yankees tonight. Uh, so curious to see just exactly what he is able to do over these next couple weeks and just how healthy he is. Obviously, that's that's a big one. Uh, in terms of what he can do for them playoff wise, he is 0 for three uh, tonight against the uh, against the Red Sox. That one's here, just coming to a close as we finish up recording here. So uh, doesn't look great in his first game back, but if he can figure that swing out, obviously that helps the Yankees big time playoff wise. Yeah, they definitely need him. Obviously, there's only what 12 or 13 games here left in the MLB regular season. October is just around the corner, so playoff baseball is as well i know you as an indians fan are very excited to see how that goes i'll be seeing your tribe next week live at uh guaranteed rate field still feels weird saying that but uh we'll see how that goes as the season comes to a close my oh by the way for tonight's show is going to be 
the Philadelphia 76ers. There was a lot of talk this offseason with uh, the GM situation, obviously, some, uh, some, some problematic tweets and things like that. But uh, Elton Brand is officially going to be promoted to GM and, and vice president. He previously was the vice president of uh, basketball operations. Obviously, Elton Brand had a long illustrious career in the NBA, and part of that was played with the 76ers. Uh, obviously had some great years at Duke as well. So we'll see if Elton Brand can do any better uh, at, at keeping his phone on lockdown and, and bringing in the talent that this Sixers team needs to get over the hump. So uh, that was my oh, by the way. Uh, Dan, anything to add for the good of the group? Hopefully you all have a humpalicious hump day, and we'll catch you guys on Friday. Love it. For Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. We will see you Friday.